The following is an exclusive Disruption Network production. In the heart of East Utica lies Joey's at 307. That's 307 Mohawk Street. It's where the eclectic old school meets the new school cuisine. Dine in and enjoy some amazing seafood dishes, classic Utica Italian dishes, a revolving dinner menu, and even offering catering. Call them at 315-864-3527. Joey's at 307. You're going to love it. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Ballwash.com. Stay protected from odors. In itch, the essential must-have product to keep your crotch fresh. Feeling good and smelling great throughout the day and throughout your workouts. Remember, guys, the fun doesn't have to stop in the shower. Get the funk off your junk. Use the promo code members only and get 15% off all your sales. Use promo code members only for 15% off. Again, that's ballwash.com. Members only for promo code for 15% off. It's a wacky Wednesday here on the D. You can follow along on all Disruption Network social media platforms. Off to a little bit of a late start, but we'll get into that in just a little bit. Shout out to EJA Moving Services, the professional movers when you're ready to move and relocate. Hit up my boy Eddie Alzheimer and his fine staff at 315-335-0516, ejamoving.com. There's no task they can't handle. They'll move a festival for you. They'll move your studio. They'll move your gym equipment. They'll even move an elephant. They'll move pretty much anything. They will. They're great. They're awesome. Tell them Uncle Z sent you. It might or might not get you a discount. Who knows? You never know. You want a good meal this week? Hit up Joey's at 307, that's 307 Mohawk Street. They got amazing seafood. They got an amazing dinner menu. They even do catering. Give them a call today for reservations because that's the only way you're getting a table. It's 315-864-3527. Shout out to Utica Coffee. Shout out to my attorney, Dave Longaretta, who's been keeping me out of trouble since the early 90s. 315-735-6162 is the number. You can reach him if you need legal advice. Also, big ups to my friends over at Saranac. Under Too Long is a book by Billy the Liquor Guy. It's about undercover agents infiltrating biker gangs and Al-Qaeda. It's an amazing story and on the anniversary of 9-11 that's coming up in just a couple of days, Billy was in the middle of all that and Billy talks about that in the book. It's called Under Too Long. You can get it on Amazon or wherever you get your books. And also shout out to Ballsy, BallWash.com Go to BallWash.com Type in promo code members only. Get yourself a 15% discount. Coming up on September 18th and 19th, East Aurora, New York, Knox Farm State Park, Borderland Festival. And I have the founder of Borderland Festival on with me today, Miss Jennifer Brazil. What's up, Jen? Great to see you. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Z. Thank you so much for having me. Your your um your intro is so fun. It's like gets you all pumped up. (laughs) Did you get all pumped up? I don't usually use it sometimes. I don't know. It's kind of dated. And uh, there's like ex-friends in there and ex-girlfriends in there. So I need to I need to revamp gotta, that a little bit. You got to redo it. Yeah. I, I do. Maybe I, we'll get you some um, Borderland 
photos in there this yes. year. Yes, yes. Yeah. I'm definitely going to take some pictures <laughs> this year and get pretty active with the camera. I'm super excited. Yeah. I'm glad to be back on the team. It's coming up September 18th and 19th. It's at Knox Farm State Park in East Aurora, um, home of the best chicken wings ever at Barbell. That's I tell That's everybody. Right. They're, like, talking about chicken wings. I'm like, you guys, I never had a chicken wing until you go to Barbell. <laughs> It's true. It's it's as a local townie, it's become kind of annoying that they're so good because now it's the famous spot. Like the locals can't get there anymore. They, <laughs> they're too good. They're they're too yeah. good. They're so good. Yeah. It's like a science with them. I, I don't know understand how they perfected the art of chicken wings, but Bar Bill definitely did. I'm pretty excited to have a couple chicken wings. For sure. We'll get you over there. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jen, yeah. I, I'd like to start off the podcast talking about your history and, like, your come up. And, uh, like, how did you get involved in the music industry and what made you want to put on a festival like this? Oh, man. Well, first of all, I didn't I didn't plan a, for a pandemic to come down the pipeline. So <laughs> I might have made a career, a different career choice a few years ago if I knew that was happening. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's been quite a journey. I, I would say at this point, I've been in the music industry 25, 22, three years. And, um, I fell into it really randomly out in San Francisco. I moved out to San Francisco after I graduated college and just, I was a little hippie chick and I went to see shows all the time and I went to see festivals all the time. And I just started making friends with all the promoters and that was kind of like, End of story. I got swept up. <laughs> it happens in yeah. the industry. It does. Yeah. I got to work out in San Francisco with, you know, the guys that all learned under Bill Graham at, wow. at the Fillmore and the Warfield. And so I was, I was really in the mix with all these legendary venues and promoters. And so that got me super excited. And then I met this guy, Corin Capshaw, who is kind of a, a music industry mogul. He owns Red Light Management and he manages Fish and Dave Matthews Band and Chris Stapleton and Luke Bryan and you name it. And um, they brought me into their family when I was pretty in my early 20s. And I just learned from them and grew, just grew, kept going. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> so did you yeah. work at Red Light at one time? I did. Yeah. Did? I worked at Red Light. I was the OG. I was in the Charlottesville, Virginia office. It was the first office. Like now they're all over the world. They're in London, Nashville, New York, oh, yeah. LA. But when I was there, we were just Charlottesville. Um, and I actually, when I started, we still worked out of Corin's farm at his house. So, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm kind of old school Red Light family. And we're all still very close. That crew of people is still really close. Yes. Because we got through. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Shout out to my girl, Lindsay Brown, too. Yes, yes. Lindsay. She's doing what she does, like, Mo and day-to-day -day on Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Women power. Absolutely. I, I was just I was just yeah. with her at summer camp a couple of weeks ago and uh, driving her around and we got talking and I watched her talk to a bunch of college kids and uh, listening to her story was truly amazing. And, and, and just watching it. I love it. Powerful women coming up in the industry and, and we need more of that. You know, we need. Yeah, yeah. We need it. it. It gives a little pizzazz in the industry, if you will. It does. It does. Because there's not a lot. You know, it's a very small handful of, of women that kind of 
get up to the top levels. And the cool thing about it too, is that we all stick together. Like a lot of times there's industries that compete with each other, but all the women in the music and our biz business really support and encourage each other. So it's, it's really cool. Now the precursor to Borderland, is there a precursor to Borderland as, as far as a, fe a festival that you produced? Yeah. So I, um, after I left the red light, red light management, I moved out to LA for a long time and lived in Santa Monica and worked in a lot of the label world. And then I got um, brought in by my friend Scotty, who lived in Colorado, and he and I started a, a brand together called Winter Wondergrass. So we started um, winter festivals that I did for 10 years out in Steamboat, Colorado, Vail, Colorado, and Squaw Valley, California. And um, we expanded into three different markets, which was really fun. We started in Vail, and then we grew, and it, it was such a hit because they're, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they're winter festivals in the middle of winter outside at ski resorts. And it's all like bluegrass. Like, like we had Billy Strings when he was 18, you know, wow. and now he's like, yeah, now he's headlining and selling out everything. So it's like green sky bluegrass. Um, Leftover Salmon, Billy Strings, Railroad Earth, Trampled by Turtles, you know, that that world, Str infamous String Dusters. Um, three, it's three, it was three days in the middle of dead of winter. Everybody wraps up in their ski garb and their goggles and comes out and parties all night. <laughs> so fun. So I, I was an owner in that and helped start that whole brand. Um, right before I came back to Buffalo and started doing Borderland. Right on. So, what, are, what are some of the struggles as far as putting on a music festival in the middle of winter? I imagine there's got to be so many obstacles that you need to cross to do a festival in the wintertime. Oh, my God, Z. Well, you know how hard it is just in general to do a festival. And then throw in... Um, well, there's the elements that hit the festival site itself, and then there's the elements that impact the fans trying to get there. So it's like you have a blizzard or the snow comes in, you have to chip, you know, your your ops team, your site operation teams will be up all night chipping away at black ice when they should be building the site. So you're like, <laughs> you're like, oh, my God. Uh, we have to now we have to plow this snow. The good thing is we had to use less fencing because we could build barricades with snowbanks. You know, so we to... <laughs> <laughs> no. create the perimeter with with pushing like snow up against it, and um, and then we had like black ice. We had um, oh oh a bunch of years it would go it would dip into the negatives. So the bands were up there, and these were bluegrass bands. They're playing guitars and banjos, and they really move their finger. Like think about Billy Strings; his fingers are like. So we were. I would have to like run out on stage and shove hand warmers in their pockets during the sets to like keep replacing the hand warmers so they could stick their hand in. They play and then they have to warm their fingers up really fast in their pocket and they come back up. So there's there's a lot of challenges in the winter for sure. But then there's also the magic of it. Mm -hmm. um, like on the flip side of it, there's the magic, like that one set where the sky just opens up and, and amazing soft dumping powder comes down during a green sky bluegrass encore and it's like beautiful powder snow falling so there's a lot of magic to the to the winter festivals for sure 
Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. I, I can only yeah. imagine, especially when you're talking about negative temperatures. And it's got to be a struggle for a lot of these musicians. As you said, you keep putting hand warmers in their pockets. And you know, it's hard to move your fingers, even if you're not playing. Even just walking down the street in the wintertime, you can freeze to death. So, yeah, you know, kudos to them. And I imagine you had repeated yeah. bands come, right? I mean, I'm sure they, they got yeah. used to it and they, they love to be a part of that. They did. Yeah, it was super cool. It became it was all bluegrass like Borderland is a, an Americana diverse genre, but Winter Wondergrass was basically all bluegrass. And so all the it's a small market for a small genre, big market, small genre, especially in Colorado. Bluegrass is so big, it sells out so fast. But um, all the bands are super tight. They all know each other really well. They all love playing together. So we would bring back the same bands. Um, like I said, like Green Sky Bluegrass, Railroad Earth, Billy Strings, Infamous String Dusters, and uh, Leftover Salmon. They they have they love telling the story about when they played and it was like twenty two degrees negative and <laughs> but it, it was oh Sam Bush Band, um, yeah they they kind of know what to expect now when they come into underground and they know that their strings will break or their fingers will be numb, but they just kind of prepare. They do shots of whiskey to, before <laughs> they go out. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was a really cool, cool brand to, to be a part of because everybody really was super dedicated. It's still happening. I just, I got, I kind of moved out just to start my own thing, but um, it's still going on out in Colorado and in California. Absolutely amazing. amazing. I can yeah. imagine these yeah. bands have like a barrel of whiskey around their neck like they're a St. Bernard or something, right? Pretty much. Pretty <laughs> much with a straw tapped into it. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So talk yeah. about the- Talk about the brainchild of Borderland and what made you come back to Buffalo and like did, was Borderland the reason why you came back to Buffalo to start this festival or Yes, and nope. it's the reason I'm still here and I don't know how it all happens, but <laughs> It was um, Winter Wondergrass was going great, but we did it for 10 years and um, or nine years. But I I was kind of ready to do something a little bit new. And this opportunity presented itself kind of out of the blue. Like I wasn't my whole family's from Buffalo. My parents live here. My whole entire multi-generational family is still in this area. So I always knew that I'd come back on some level and I always wanted to do an event here. I never just knew what it would be. Like I was in the back of my head, but I didn't know it was going to be a festival that actually landed in my hometown. <laughs> so not only is it in Buffalo, but it literally takes place on a park in my hometown where I grew up a mile from the house I grew up in. So wow. it, it's very um, full circle, I will say. <laughs> Yeah. And I wasn't planning it. I didn't expect it, but the idea got dropped on my lap at the perfect time. And I just kind of jumped at it and then um, went in full steam ahead. And you were at the first year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's um, it's a 600 acre park. It's super beautiful. Um, it's it's an amazing space that just is, it's the perfect site for what we do. So I got swept up in it. And four years later, here we are. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you brought up the park. Can you put uh, put the history out there about uh, Knox Farm? Because yeah. there, there's a lot of cool history that comes with that place. Yeah, it's super cool. So um, the the park itself is located about 20 minutes outside of Buffalo. So I always say the festival is a Buffalo festival, and it's called Borderland because 
we are literally on the Canadian border and we're about eight minutes to the Peace Bridge without a pandemic. You can get, you can be in Canada in 20 minutes. <laughs> so we're literally like a borderland, a border city, but the actual festival takes place on this park, which is in out in the country. And, um, and it's on this family used to, it's called Knox Farm. And it used to be owned by this family, the Knox family, who they own the Buffalo Sabres. They own Albright Knox Art Gallery. If anybody of your listeners are familiar with Buffalo, I know you're, this is more central New York, but up in Buffalo, there's Knox, Albright Knox Gallery, which is a super world famous art gallery. Um, there's Knox everything. In Buffalo is everything. They own the Sabres. They owned everything and so they used to own this um this land this they lived there for 100 100 years ago um i think it was started and it used to be their summer homes like they would come out from the city to get out into the country to get out of buffalo and you know the crazy urban buffalo back in the 1900s <laughs> whatever was happening at that time um, and There's it became a stuff going on. <laughs> shit on the Erie Canal for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, so it's really cool because um, at that point in time, it was like thir- they owned like thirteen hundred acres, like incredible amounts of land, and they made it into an equestrian international polo fields. So they had so much money, they built these insane, beautiful stables, horse stables, and that's where we are with the festival and around it are these polo grounds that they used to fly in people from all over the world to play international polo there. So that was like, Oh, and the Buffalo bills used to practice there. That was where their, that was their practice field for a lot of years was at this, this family's park house. And then about 10 years ago, they ended up selling it kind of the elders, like the older generations that, were a part of it passed away and then um they ended up selling it to the state of new york and now it's a uh, state park so <laughs> here we are <laughs> and it's such a beautiful facility and jen what i love about it is not only do you bring in great music but you incorporate a lot of great art and if you walk through the horse stables you can see amazing art and uh you have like it's just so cool with decorations and just the way you know you you put your touch on it Jen and you could feel the vibe when you first walk into that place and not even hearing a stitch of music if you just walk around you can spend a whole day just walking around looking at stuff oh I love that that's that's what we're that's kind of what we're going for you know it's, it's exactly what we're going for because it's not it's like it's a simpler festival in terms of it's not multi-day camping music goes all night you you know it's it's um a day more of a day festival it's located outside of a suburb you come music ends at 10 p.m but we really try to curate it so there's like a ton of shit to do and and see on the site and it all the the festival site it's built with split rail fences so there's all these split rail fences on it and we have the horse stables like you said so it's already built for this americana rad super cool vibe and then we bring in a shit ton of hay bales and (laughs) throw those around and um we just kind of vibe it out and we have like 30 different craft vendors that come in and live painters, live artists. We're curating an art gallery this year. Um, we have three different stages. We have horses, Clydesdale's horses on site. We have llamas and <laughs> goats. And <laughs> we have a hot air balloon this year. Oh, wow. Which is really cool. 
Yeah, so it's going to depend on weather, but it's on Saturday from like 4 to 7. We'll have hot air balloon rides, which is rad. Um, so it's cool, you know, it's, it's, it's a really cool vibe. We have seven different craft breweries that are a part of it and uh, local distilleries again whiskey will be flowing and so yeah <laughs> I, I think i think it's super cool so it's like it's really it's a really cool vibe on a beautiful park but we like make it everybody loves it like it's for everybody yeah for sure and this year which is happening in next weekend it's september 18th and 19th it's a saturday and sunday and you have a great lineup coming up in this year and how do you go about picking the bands is there like a committee that you go through or you're just like picking out of a hat oh, no. how do you pick the bands dude it was i mean usually it's a i had a whole different vision for the festival this year as far as lineup but um it got very skewed by the pandemic and then we waited a really long time to book the bands because of we just didn't know if the festival was even going to happen or not so um so this year i will have to say i love where the lineup landed but it was not my original vision <laughs> it kind of it, it kind of became um like what i mean you know like you run events but like you have a vision of who you want the vibe that you want to create and then you start going after those bands and then you realize they're not available or they cost too much money so you have to switch your vision a little bit so that's kind of how this year went for me and i just love where it landed it was wasn't what i was expecting or predicted but it turned out to be super amazing yeah so do i have a committee no i have like three friends that i text nonstop about <laughs> Ideas. <laughs> I was like, what about this man? What about this man? What about this man? And that's kind of my committee. So do you, play as, do you play as talent buyer? Are you the talent buyer as well? Are you making the phone calls or I, do you have somebody a booking agent for you? I usually, so this year I was the talent buyer. I did everything. Uh -huh. um, in the past, I've had a friend, my friend Ben Baruch. He's out of Colorado. He's helped me talent buy. And he's now I realize he's invaluable, but I took on the talent buy in this year just because we we're running so behind on everything. So I was like, I'm just going to keep it all in house and try to get it done. But now I'll never do that again. <laughs> it's, too, it's so hard. It's too, it's hard. Like, you know, talent buying is really challenging. Yes. It's a it's lot of back and forth. Yeah, it's not just picking up a phone call. You got to read contracts and go through riders and just really pick apart some things. And and like you said, going back and forth. And that that actually is the strenuous yeah. part of talent buying is just the, the yeah. constant back and forth. And it could be a little bit bickering and you're making deals and some things are a little bit higher than the other. And, you know, you're looking at their stupid rider requests and you know, yeah. Yeah. it gets exactly. it gets tricky for sure. It gets super tricky. And and um. It's everything you just said. It's like you make a you make an offer. You find a band, you're like, oh, I love them. I want to book them. You make an offer. Find out if they're available first. And then if they are, you send the offer. And then it's not enough money. They want more money. So you have to go back and offer more money. Then they want hotel rooms. You have to say no. You have to, you know, it's like this back and forth and back and <laughs> forth. And then so it's it, in the past, it was really nice to have a middle person doing that for me. And he could kind of deal with like the bullshit business side of stuff. And I could just be on the, on the outside, like being the nice guy. And then, and then when you're town buying yourself for your own festival, you have to play every role. Yeah. So it's, 
it's challenging. Yeah, it's, it's it really is. And, um, you know, like I said, I'm really happy where our lineup landed. Jason Isbell has always been a dream artist for us that we thought would fit perfect with our band, our brand. So um, we're stoked. But it was a long road to get there. <laughs> oh, sure. For sure. And not only that, yeah. you got the Revivalist playing, you got Talk, you got Moon Taxi, Pigeons playing Ping Pong, Infamous String Dusters. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. I think the lineup is great this year. Thank you, Z. I, I love, I, you're a music guy, so that means a lot to me. But yeah, Pigeons, I'm really stoked about Pigeons. I made this joke a couple of years ago. I'm like, I can never book a band with that name. And now I'm like, they're okay. like the best. Band. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're definitely one one of those up and coming jam bands. They're on that new wave of jam bands. You know, there's always been these waves. The first wave, wave the first wave being the yeah. Dead and the Allman Brothers, the band, and the second wave, Fish and Dave Matthews, and, and so on and so forth. And yeah. right yeah. right now, they are on the popular side of the, the the new wave, which is cool. I love seeing this whole new jam band, all these jam bands develop and and you know become a powerhouse on their own. It's good to see. It is. It's cool. They have. Uh, pigeons themselves have an amazing fan base they're super dedicated and loyal and they're a really fun band and i have just after working with them for the past six months they're so easy to work with their whole team is super cool so kind good people just like it was an awesome experience all around just just working with them so i'm excited to see them play for sure absolutely they're, they're a great crew Jen, you know what I do love? You brought up the family. And what I love about the festival, too, is you put your whole family to work. You do. Everybody in your family is out there doing some form of, of work one way or another. You got your nephews out running water to people and, and running around. And like your aunts and your uncles and everybody, they're just doing it, man. I, I love that, that you put the family to work. So you can really say this is a family-run festival. I know. It's so true. It's it's a joke too. Like my mom is actually the boss. Like she runs the information booth and, um, my cousin built one of our stages, which was super cool. And he built the homespun stage out of re reclaimed recycled wood. And I make my sister run the kids area. And yeah, I definitely like it's, it's pretty cool. Cause like, if we don't have stuff, I can put out a big APB and I'll be like, Oh my God, we need 10 water coolers. And all of a sudden, like, a hundred water coolers are delivered to site. So I'm lucky. I, I got a crew. I have, we roll deep. <laughs> you do. You do roll deep. Yeah. You know, we were talking earlier too about the struggles of the pandemic. How are you making these adjustments to fit the whole protocol of what's going on with this Corona crap that we're dealing with? I know, dude, it's been rough. It, uh, like you and I were talking about before we came on here, it's, it's impacting everybody because anything from like our food vendors can't, you know, we've had a couple of food vendors bail out last minute because they can't find staff to staff the festival or run their business. You know, they can't come to the festival and run their biz brick and mortar business. And so it's like, it's a full ripple effect all around for sure. Um, and we're feeling it a lot. And just recently we had to implement the COVID rules that's happening to everybody right now with testing. So we have to ask for a vaccine or a negative COVID test. And that alone had its own trickle down ripple, ripple effects. 
because it it stopped ticket sales for a while you know it definitely impacted our ticket sales and we had to focus on the messaging for that and then we have to add more staffing to cover this at the front gate and um people people are so torn on it's such a political issue so you get some people were so excited to have these protocols and some people were so pissed so it's it's a challenge it's tough to to navigate this in the event space it really it really aggravates me the people that make it a political issue because it's not and uh don't get me started because this is when i get frustrated but (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah you do do got a great team behind you and you know you're gonna hit a home run next weekend september 18th and 19th at knox farms with borderland festival tickets on sale you could go to borderlandfestival.com they got the lineup you can get all the info that you need you can hear about previous borderlands and uh, give me a wish list though what's your wish list of bands maybe in the future of who you would like to see at your festival I mean, dude, my ultimate dream would be to have fish play in my backyard because I'm a a dorky little fish head. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. um, Also, Dave Matthews Band is big because I worked for them for so long. That would be a huge band for me. Um, But but vibe-wise, like Sturgill, I'm a big Sturgill Simpson fan. Um, Tyler Childers. But... Dead and Company, Fish, and <laughs> those are top of my list. And I I think if we wouldn't have had to skip the pandemic year last year, we'd be heading in that direction faster. But everything's just slowed down a little bit. So hopefully next year we'll come back and go big. Yeah, for go sure. big. Everybody in the million-dollar category you want. <laughs> yes. I want bands that cost a million dollars. Literally, listeners, we're not joking. They literally cost a million dollars. As we as we get close to crunch time, are you uh, starting to lack in your sleeping habits right now? Because I'm sure it's, you're just you got a lot on your plate right now. Oh my god, it's a shit. I'm a shit show. I can't even <laughs> believe I'm having. It. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm having a coherent conversation with you, to be honest. But you, you're I, doing quite well. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm already exhausted. It's just been a long year. Like we just keep not to keep beating that issue. It's just everything's extra hard, mm-hmm. and it's already hard to plan an entire business. You, you work all year round for two days of a year, two or mm-hmm. three days. You know, you bust your ass, and you hope it's going to be beautiful weather and you hope people come and you we couldn't predict that we'd also have a pandemic back in action so yeah it's i'm i'm gonna be a lunatic by next weekend so just watch out z <laughs> i'll keep my distance <laughs> i'm definitely gonna be unslept but i'm trying to <laughs> i'm trying to balance it out with some hikes in the woods to you know, keep the energy grounded. Yeah, but I'm excited. I'm really stoked. I'm getting. I'm really excited. It's you know, once you cut through all the logistics and all the all the bullshit, and you get to the festival, the vibe is so good. And like you said, we have like the best team ever, literally ever. It's like so the Avengers. Love, it is the Avengers. <laughs> it's like they're their superpowers, and I'm just stoked <laughs> to hang out with my team. So it's all it's all good. 
Yeah, you I'm ready. You put a good uh, team together. Jen, before we get out of here, I want a good pinch me moment. Pinch me, I can't believe my career has taken me to this moment right now. Or you could give me a couple of them. I'm sure you've had a couple great experiences in your life. I would say my biggest one was flying on a private jet from the Greek theater in San Francisco to Telluride, Colorado to see fish with fish. And I was on the plane with fish. <laughs> so I flew on a jet sitting next to Trey on a plane. Five of us, six of us were on this plane and we flew to Telluride into Telluride, Colorado. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's to fly in, you basically, there's a cliff. The airport is on a side of a cliff. So if there's one little minute of wind, you could like smash into the cliff. Oh so God. that alone was amazing. But then to be sitting next to like Trey and Fishman from my favorite bands flying in to watch them play Four Nights in Telluride, that was a pretty big pinch me moment. Um, that was my biggest. And then, I, you know, standing next to Eddie Vedder on the side of the stage at Bonnaroo, talking to him about the weather. That's like, <laughs> there's the, you know, he's like, nice day out, right? I'm like, did Eddie Vedder just talk to me about the weather? So um, that, that those moments are kind of unforgettable. Yeah. For sure. And yeah. The reason why you keep doing the things that you do in the industry, right? Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't imagine if not being a music lover and trying to do this. Because, mm -hmm. right. you, you know, like, if why would you do this if you don't love music? Because it's so much work and it's so hard and there's not a ton of reward at the end of the day financially. So if you don't, if you're not passionate about the music, it's like crazy. You got to love the music for Absol sure. <laughs> Absolutely. What do you think you'd be doing if you didn't do this? Like, what do you think your career would be? Well, I'll tell you in October when I'm sitting on a beach with a pina colada <laughs> thinking about my next career. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have no idea. I don't, I, I don't think there was any other path for me, to be honest. Like this, this music has been my calling. I, I like, I love it so much. So I hope, you know, as I get a little bit older, I, I hope I, I want to do a little more in the sustainability world. So I'm, I, you know, I do that at my festival. It's such a passion for me. So I think I want to start branching out into that. Um, and I want to combine it all. So music, sustainability, grow it, go a little bit bigger, but maybe become a farmer, plant some tomatoes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> John, I'm super excited to get together with the whole Borderland crew. Thanks for having me back. We're going to have a great time. It's coming up on September 18th and 19th. People from Central New York, you want you don't want to miss this festival. I'm telling you. I, you know, we have a fan base that's pretty much international, but then we do have a lot of people from uh, from Central New York that chime in, obviously, because it's my home area. Um, and I would really love to see a lot of my hometown come out and support this. Um, you guys will have a great time. Like we mentioned before, there's a lot of great art. There's a great lineup. It's just put on by beautiful beautiful people and uh, it's always a good time so make sure you check out borderland for more information go to borderlandfestival.com and check out all the info on that website jen is there anything you'd like to get across before we bounce i think you nailed it dude you covered it i just we hope people come and i just want to throw a huge celebration we all need to take a big 
big fat big exhale of life right now you know everybody needs it and i want to throw that yeah <laughs> i want to throw that party for you so come and just come and and have a great time excellent i'm awesome. doing this for you. <laughs> awesome that's, and i that's, love you that's why we're in this business right we do it for the people we do it to see smiles on faces and just those little serendipitous moments are the reason why we yeah. keep coming back and doing these things for sure. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Jen, thank you so much for taking the time today. I'm looking forward to getting together with you next weekend. Again, people, September 18th and 19th, East Aurora, New York. It's at Knox Farm State Park in East Aurora Borderland Festival. Get your tickets. It's a great time. Great lineup. Jen Brazil, you're a gem, sweetheart. Good luck with everything. Can't wait to see you. See you soon. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to contribute and help with the cost of the producing this podcast, you can hit our virtual tip jar and Venmo at XYTODA. Please subscribe on all our podcast platforms. Follow, like, and subscribe all things Disruption Network on social media. And visit our website, disruptionnetwork.net.